0: Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He goes by nobody, but he may soon be somebody if things go his way in the upcoming event from Deathmatch Down Under. The juice is worth the squeeze. He's going up against the sire of Barbed Wire, Guido, for the Agua Total Violence Championship. Callan Butcher, how are you today, sir?
1: I am... Absolutely fantastic. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad, man. Thanks for making time for me. Uh, I'm very excited for all the upcoming matches. I'm going to be doing a lot of deathmatch down under promo, and I cannot wait for the show.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, like the, the deathmatches that I'm involved in aside, like the heavyweight title tournament, I personally feel is like one of the most ambitious uh things in australian wrestling but at least for a long time like that's 16 of 15 of the best wrestlers in australia and one of the best wrestlers in new zealand all on two nights in melbourne it's gonna be absolutely insane and then yeah there's some death match fuckery going on as well <laughs> the tournament
0: is stacked like it it's absolutely awesome um if not for i was straight up Like, my wife and I were booking flights, like, to come, and then we had all these snap lockdowns and stuff here in Perth, and we were like, hmm, maybe it's just not worth it if we end up getting, like, locked down or something like that and locked out of our jobs and all that stuff. It's just a little bit too risky, so I may have to wait for the next one, you know? So I'm a little bit heartbroken about it, but I do look forward to watching it on IWTV.
1: Yeah, that's completely understandable, and that's just... It's the way of the world that we live in right now. You never know when there's going to be a spike or something like that. So for the people that can get down, absolutely try and get down to this because it's going to be two nights that you're not going to want to miss. But if you aren't able to get down of concerns like that, like your safety is priority and like your well-being. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, if there's one thing that Deathmatch down under has shown it's a very conscientious company and I watch the shows and stuff and I can see you guys are taking all the right measures and things like that. And yeah, if I was in that city and didn't have to literally cross the entire country uh, to get there, I would 100% be there without a doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's of course. And that's like, there's even, like I'm pretty sure Jay said it on another interview recently that there was so many people that we wanted to get for this tournament. But like... Perth, that's real like touchy, because like the second somebody coughs wrong, they're going to snap lockdown straight away so people like Davis Storm and stuff as much as we wanted to get them down, we couldn't get them down for this, this but as soon as stuff clears up, like we'll be getting all the people that have missed out on these ones. We'll be getting them over. Yeah,
0: no doubt at all. Yeah, that's the thing. Our PM, Mark McGowan, ain't playing no games with COVID. So for anybody that's like not in Australia and listening to this, like if there's any kind of outbreak in Perth, it just shuts its borders. So my concern isn't even for really like there being an outbreak in Melbourne when I'm there or whatever. It's like something popping up in Perth and then not being allowed to come back (laughs) being the real issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you'll be trapped in Melbourne for however long the lockdown is, mm. and that's scary stuff. It is
0: scary, though. Now you say it, it's kind of awesome, because you guys do run there all the time. My job <laughs> wouldn't love it, but, I mean, I could come to more shows, so that would, be, <laughs> that would be good.
1: Yeah, and, like, you're allowed, like, three months unpaid leave or something like that, aren't you? Ooh.
0: I'm not sure my boss would agree with that, but we'll
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like, uh, have the minimumist you can can ever have. And that actually gets me uh, thinking about uh, a tangent I wanted to go on with you. So let's just jump onto it straight away. It's to yeah. do with leave. And you and I have a, a very similar quarter, sort of intro story into uh, Deathmatch Wrestling. So I want to ask you about your trips to Japan.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I believe it was August 2017, I want to say. It's when New Japan went back to the Budokan for the first time for the G1 finals. Mm -hmm. Um, Myself and a couple of friends, we decided to just go to Japan for a holiday because we looked in February and flights were really cheap. Um, So we booked them straight away and then worried about hotels and stuff later. Yeah, we went to Japan, and right before we went, they announced, like, when the finals were going to be and where they were going to be, and we realised night one final out of the three finals was the day after we got there, which was insane. So we managed to get tickets reserved at, like, a 7-Eleven that we had to go and pick them up from or something like that. Yeah,
0: they've got, like, little uh, vending machines, right, that you kind of go and collect them from. They're very hard to decode. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: something strange like that, but it's awesome because it means that we were able to get to night one of the G1 finals and we've seen... Yeah, it was, like, weird hearing, like... Muckaby's actual music, and it's not just the silence. And uh can't use this for copyright. Reasons. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I
0: just thought he never had a theme until I, until yeah, I heard. But, it is an immigrant song? I think I think that's what it's called. I forget the the name of that track. That oh, whatever that yeah. thing is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I remember I was like in the foyer. I went to like go outside for something, and I was coming back in. I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> And then I walk out, I'm like, ah, oh, so that's what the sound is, that's what the music is. But yeah, like, the main event was Okada and Tanahashi, and that was insane, Yeah, to, just to see both of them going at it in the main event, in the Budokan live. Um, and then, yeah, we got back to the hotel, and we are like, we know that we said we won't come in here for just wrestling, because, like, I was a wrestler at the time, Yeah, uh, I was there with two other wrestlers and a manager, mm-hmm. and... We decided not to just focus on wrestling because we were in a foreign country and we wanted to see everything that we could see. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we got, got back, we were like, "We need to see something else." Yeah. And I was adamant that we would go to Cork, and I didn't care what was on. Got it right. Yeah, and then it was like a night later or two nights later at Cork, and there was Big Japan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I knew of Big Japan, I'd never seen them. I knew of Deathmatch Wrestling. I knew that I would like it if I saw it. Um, so yeah, we went to Big Japan. I didn't realize exactly how much I would, exactly how much I would like it. Because so we got our tickets at the door at Koriken, mm-hmm. Um which I thought it would be a sellout, just because I thought that that's how Korokin works. But no, we. Got tickets at the door. We were third row on the hard cam side. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like the um, strong style, the heavyweight matches yep. up first. And there were a few people on there that I was like, this is insane that I've never heard of these people. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the three, the finals, because it was like their tag tournament. Mm-hmm. The three, like the, the last death three match matches. tag tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah yep. it was mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah just the three last matches they were death matches. I'm like, all right, let's see if I actually like what's going on here. And then in the main event, Abdullah Kobayashi comes out and he's biting through light tubes and stuff. And I'm like, that's my guy, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: he is awesome, mate. um, My first, like, real serious death match was also Abdullah Kobayashi. So we started going to Japan a couple of years before that. So it would have been 2016, but it was like a big group of friends. We went for my sister-in-law's birthday. We were like, what should we do, you know, it's your 21st or whatever it was. And there were fl- cheap flights to Japan. And so we just went. And I was already, uh, like I was already back into wrestling, but I wasn't like a huge New Japan fan or, you know, anything like that. But I, I knew of it. And I tried to convince people to kind of go to a match, but there was nothing really around or convenient, so it didn't end up eventuating. Uh, We then went back the next year, the lineup of people changed slightly and we went to Currican Hall to see, we managed to catch one New Japan show and it was like one of those ones that had like multi-man elimination tags and stuff like that, just a road to show. The next year, um, we went back as just my wife, myself and our friend Momo like on a wrestling trip right like so we wanted to see other stuff but we were going for longer and we were we got tickets to Wrestle Kingdom 12 so that would have been right yeah Naito and Okada Jericho and Omega that one yeah. um and yeah and we, we were very excited to go we used sumo Tix or whatever it is shout out to buy sumo Ticks, great service uh and we we got our tickets to that and when we went we were like while we're there Maybe we'll just like check out some other stuff. And um we had a friend who's um her brother is Chris Vice, who's a wrestler for Zero One and used to be a Perth wrestler. Yeah. I yep. know Vice. Exactly. Might know a Vicey. Uh and she was like, Yeah, you should go check out Zero One or whatever. We went to that and there was like a little bit of, you know, kind of deathmatchy stuff but not really not like big japan or anything like that and you know how they walk uh the hallways and stuff and and like up and down the aisles and they hand out like basically show bags full of programs for all the other wrestling events that are happening around the time and stuff like that one of them was those big big japan flyers that has all the stuff you know deathmatch title strong title uh the tags and it's all laid out and we were just on the train and we were kind of looking through it all and i was like hey guys what time do we get back to Tokyo? I plan nothing. They plan everything. And they're like, oh, we're going to be back this time. I'm like, do you want to go see another show at Corican Horn?" they're like, yeah, it's literally the best place ever. And I was like, it's big Japan. I've never been before. It says it's like a hundred light tube deathmatch as the headliner. Would you be interested in seeing it? It might be crazy. I'd never watched a deathmatch really before. And they're like, yeah, whatever. That'll be fun. And man, that was like a game changer for us. Like, and it was... I always stuff it up. You may be able to tell me his name. So it was Abdullah Kobayashi was the Deathmatch champion at the time. And then versing him was Takeda's partner from the Crazy Lovers. What's his name? Um,
1: yeah, it's on the tip of
0: my tongue. I man. know. I can't do it. Carries <laughs> a big hammer sometimes. Uh, was recently the champion again. I'm very sorry. To, there's people screaming at the microphone right now. so uh, Or in, into their stereos. Uh, anyway, and they were in this 100 light tube deathmatch match. And... Yeah, you see the the
1: cr- sukumoto.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Actually, I think that's it, isn't it? Sukumoto. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think you I think you got it right. Um, and yeah, it was you, you start watching the front rows putting on ponchos and stuff and, <laughs> and safety goggles, and you're like, what's about to go down? And when those tubes start breaking, and you know everything starts to go down and stuff. There's there's nothing like it, man. It's so visceral and and exciting that I can see why, especially as a wrestler, that would make like a massive impact on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was the first time that I'd, the, I'd seen like a local deathmatch show, uh, not deathmatch show, a deathmatch at one of the promotions that I wrestled mm-hmm. for. I think Damien Rivers was in it. And I've seen the light tubes, but that was just from backstage on the TV. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that looks fun. And then, yeah, I was third row at Corakin, and the light tubes were exploding. Like they hit the ropes at the at our side first, and we just got showered with glass. <laughs> oh, that's was just, awesome! This is incredible. This is the most experience of my life. I want to be get showered with glass for the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: now, now to make that happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, it was a thing that happened. As, as we walked out, because I had a friend who was at Not Here to Fuck Spiders mm-hmm. um, after my match, and we were up the back watching the main event, and he was talking to me, and he reminded me of straight after that event, we were standing out the front of Tokyo Dome in Corican, and Korokin, and like, I think we were right out the front of the T.J.I. Fridays, yep. it's there. Mm-hmm. Right next to it. And yeah, as we walked out, I was saying to them, that was insane. I want to become a deathmatch wrestler. I'm going to make sure that when I get back to Australia, that's what I do.
0: Yeah, wow. Well.
1: Yeah, and he, he reminded me of that straight after he just watched me in a deathmatch in Australia, which was really surreal. And, yeah, it's it's crazy how when you put your mind to things, sometimes they work out. Well, yeah, not, not just
0: the fact that you went and did it, because that's one thing. The fact that you then would go on to be part of a company that would have its first pay-per-view online worldwide and you're in the headlining match in a light tube death match.
1: Yeah, that was that was really surreal because I mean like that for me I I have a little bit of imposter syndrome. I'm not sure if you know, I call myself nobody. Um but yeah, I I'd always I'd always not been a terrible wrestler. Like, I, I had matches, and they were okay, and they got the reactions that, I, that they wanted. But when COVID locked everything down, I started watching back my matches, and I was like, I'm okay. I'm doing good matches, but nobody really cares. I don't really have anything towards me. Um, and, yeah, I, I saw myself as a nobody, really. Like, I'll, nobody would say that their favorite wrestler is Callan Butcher. Yeah, right. Like or even their their favorite wrestler from any given promotion that I was wrestling on. Yeah. So I, I started I went with the nobody thing and I started working with that and like I was in talks with Joel and Jay at DMDU and then when I found out that I was in the main event, I was like, Why are you doing this? Like I'm not I'm not a name. I haven't really earned this spot. Mm-hmm. So I knew that After it was already promoted that that was going to be the main event, I was like, okay, I'm really going to have to go out there and do the performance of my life because I'm actively self-deprecating myself as a person by calling myself a nobody. Yeah, But, yeah, I went out there and I was in the main event in a deathmatch show deathmatch promotion in Australia and it was incredible. It was probably the best night of my life, even though I lost. <laughs>
0: Dude, I mean there's a there's winning and there's losing and then there's losing with style and like <laughs> like it was a it was a hell of a match, man. So I think I think it's something to be very proud of, you know. Um one thing that like I understand the self-deprecating thing a little bit and it's kind of how I have sort of always lived my life a little bit. Like, you know, people give you praise about anything and your your first reaction is to cut yourself down you know what i mean like to kind of put that light off yourself and stuff but i think it speaks to something that you were able to self-reflect on yourself where you're like looking at everything and you're like i'm nobody's favorite wrestler but then you went all right notes the grindstone let's think about how i then turn that into something and the idea of the the nobody character or whatever it's like, really cool and interesting, you know? So I, I think that speaks a lot to, to what you did. Even your gear, man, like, when you walk through that, I hadn't seen you wrestle before ever. You know what I mean? I saw the promo uh, with Damien Rivers, and then I see you come through the thing and you're wearing almost looks like a straight jacket. You're all in white. Damien Rivers is obviously bandana all in black, and it's, like, these two opposing forces. And I just thought it was, like, really... Awesomely thought out, you know. Did much thought go into the gear?
1: So, I I always wanted uh, a vest like that. Like mm-hmm. I wanted it for, I, it wasn't it wasn't like a shield thing. It was more Sammy Callahan, yeah. around like twenty eighteen in Impact. Mm-hmm. That kind of vest. I always thought that's cool as shit. I want something like that. Um, I just yeah, I wanted something zips up all the way, collar goes around my neck. Um, I was going to get it all black because up until an outcome, the wolves, every match that I'd had, I'd always worn like either like a black wrestling singlet with a sh- shirt over the top that was black or I'd wore black jean shorts and then a singlet of some variety that was black. So I think it was, I watched, I started watching drew Parker a lot. Yep and i saw that he was wearing white mm-hmm. i was, i resonated with that i'm like i am going to look terrible in white but i'm just going to go for it i'm going <laughs> to get the gear made and if it looks shit then it is what it is <laughs> but i i i took the promo pictures after i got them and i was really happy with it mm-hmm. so i just went with it and yeah i i've pitched changing my gear color recently but uh Joel and Jay were like, no, your your colour is white now. So yeah. that's that's what you're doing from now on. Yeah. Which I, I'm fine with. I'm I'm cool with it.
0: I, I, I think it's something to lean into. Um and especially as a deathmatch wrestler, it's very visual as well. So like when you go through those matches and stuff and you start to you know, build up wounds and blood gets everywhere and stuff. It shows the journey, like on on the clothes. I'm sure your dry cleaning bills an absolute fucking mess. But but uh, I figured
1: out the trick. It's just I, I put in my washing machine. I put a cup of the normal washing detergent, then a cup of um, SADS. Mm-hmm. Just I let it soak for for 45 minutes in the washing machine. I'm pretty sure, and then it does a heavy duty wash. I pull it out and it's clean. There you go. See, it's not even that big a deal. Worthwhile. I was stressing out bad after Wolves because I'm like, okay, our next show is in, what, four weeks? Cool. I don't think I have enough time to get new gear made up if this is ruined. So I really, really hope I can get all the blood out. And then, yeah, (laughs) I managed to get all the blood out. I was pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah, I think you've got to pass on that tip to Akira. So I remember when he... um, debuted for ICW No Holds Barred in uh, Volume 2, you know, in the car park. The first time I saw him, he's wearing the all-white, you know, the white bomber jacket, all that. It ends up completely wrecked by the end. But then as you see him over time, he's still wearing the same clothes, but they're just, like, blood-stained and completely ruined. And then now he's just, like... Another dude wearing black. Actually, he just got some pretty cool shorts now. So yeah, he's doing something different again. But like, had he known that uh, tip, I think he could have really helped him out, and he could have kept that uh, bang and bomber jacket in action.
1: Yeah. Oh, Akira's reached out to me recently. Oh yeah. Um, so we've been DMing a little bit for laundry tips or. I no laundry tips yet, but I, I'll I'll bring that up next time we have a chat. No worries. Well,
0: t- tell him to listen to this episode. We can, he can get all the information he needs to know. And uh, tell him I'm a big fan.
1: <laughs> oh, 100%. I'll,
0: I'll hook you up. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, so so check it out. So once you get back, um, you've decided that this experience is. Really changed kind of what you want to do and how you want to approach wrestling. When you get back to Australia, we don't have death matches here. We do now, the death match down under exists, and I understand like Damien Rivers and Joel were doing them, but there there wasn't really a promotion and stuff like that. So then how do you go about getting involved with them? Who do you reach out to first? How do you begin that journey? Because you can't really go to a school and go where people teach you how to like swing tubes and stuff, you know.
1: Yeah. So, I like when I came back, it was always running through my mind, and it was like 2019, I think. I started coming up with an idea because I wanted to do like a deathmatch tournament. I just wanted to like pay it off by myself, run a run a one off deathmatch tournament. See how how it, how well receptive mm-hmm. it is. I spoke to like Damian Rivers. I spoke to him about it, and it was like it was a cool idea, but I, we were like, "Yeah, I don't know if it'll work in this landscape," mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, then they did the body slam show, which seemed to go over kind of well. I think that was a bit a bit of a test. And then Joel announced his no ring show with Cass. Castanova Valentine. Yes, and as soon as that promo dropped, I I watched it and it was like it had been uploaded for five minutes, and I was straight into Joel's DMs. I'm like, look, man, if you need any help with this show or anything, please let me know. Like, I'm I'm more than happy to help out. And he r- responded back. I'm pretty sure he responded, "You're into death matches." <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, had you yeah, know? Like, had you known Joel well before, or, I I. We'd had conversations before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it was just in passing at shows. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have much of a friendship with him, but this kind of, like, opened opened that door. So we we got to talking about deathmatch stuff, and then, like, I told him how I wanted to run this tournament, blah, 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 and he's like, oh, well, I'm starting this thing, if you'd be interested. I was like, yeah, of course, 100%. He's like, okay, well... I want to see that you're ready for death matches. So, Casanova Valentine's coming down. He's coming down. He wants to do another show. So, would you be interested in doing a death match on that show? I was like, "Yeah, cool. Let me know what I let me know where I need to be and when and who I'm working with." Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he, we had, went out and got beers uh, a couple weeks later, and he was like, "Okay, so the main event of the second show is going to be yourself." Cass, Sicko Smacks, and Damien Rivers in a four-way. And I was just, I was mind-blown. Like as, as soon as the promo dropped, I started looking up everything Cassanova Valentine, I watched the Vice documentary and everything, mm-hmm. instantly a fan. So to see that like the second show that he was doing down here, I was going to be in the main event of that one, that was insane. Unfortunately, it didn't end up happening, but I still managed to get my... No Ring show was cast before that.
0: You kind of got episode 1.5, right? Because after his first show with Joel, did he run, He ran down the street and did a match with you and Sicko, right?
1: Yeah. So originally it wasn't supposed to be myself and Sicko. Um, I can't remember who, else, who it was supposed to be, but they had to pull out for some reason the night before. Mm-hmm. And Joel was like, hey, I know you've got this one next week, but would you be up for deathmatch tomorrow, maybe? Uh, I was like, um, yeah, sure. Uh, it was supposed to be a triple threat, right? Do you want me to see if Smax is keen as well? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. I messaged Smax, and Smax is like, okay, I've got some tubes. I was kind of going to save them for next week, but we can we can do something tomorrow. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, we went and helped out with the No Ring show with Joel and Cass. Mm-hmm. If you... Watch the footage. You see me in my red flannel and my sunglasses because we ran out of safety glasses, gave them to everybody else. I had to give a fan my pair. I'm wearing my sunglasses, just shielding the glass. An hour later, um, we go down to the other venue. Cass just walks down the street after having a death match in the pub to, <laughs> to another pub. And then, yeah. We managed to work something out in like five minutes. Go out there and have a nerving death match that I thought was really fun.
0: That was actually the first one I saw. Uh, Sicko had the footage or whatever, and he was like, "Hey, DM me anybody who wants to see it," and he like sent me the link or whatever on YouTube. Yeah. So I saw that the one with you and Sicko before I saw the Joel one. Um, and yeah, it was super fun, and I was super jealous, and because we were looking, we were going to. What's it called? being Oh, Download was about to come through. And yeah. so we were looking at moving the flights, like, early to come to that next one, the four-way that you were going to have. So, like, if we move forward a day, we could come through, we could catch that sh- show with Cass, and then we could go to Download Festival, you know? So yeah. that, w- that was going to be sick. And then, obviously, the world ended. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and like,
1: so that, that show was a Friday night. Yeah. And then... There was Saturday, I think I went to PCW Grand Slam Mm 2, the one where they had like a thousand people in their basketball stadium. And then the next day, we were like, oh, we might have to cancel this. And then the Monday was like, everything's locked down.
0: Yeah, just all over.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it was a bit heartbreaking, but I'm still happy that I managed to get that spot mm-hmm. and that's probably something that fueled Damo's anger towards me leading into Wolves that he didn't get to have his moment in the sun with Cass.
0: Exactly because he he was slated for the next show right he was going to be in that four-way.
1: Yeah exactly mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah he, it all came full circle. To miss out, <laughs> oh, no. which isn't my fault it is a, a world health crisis but sure blame me. <laughs> He's like you probably released the pandemic. Yeah, blame me like Disney on South Park.
0: (laughs) Global terrorist, Kelly Butcher. (laughs) Exactly. So um, how has the whole Deathmatch Down Under thing been treating you? So obviously pretty crazy to be in the the headline... headlining spot of the first one. But then obviously you guys have been full steam ahead as much as you can with all the pandemic stuff and things like that. Um, How have you been finding it? You've had some great tags with uh, Vixen and then the stuff that's begun with Guido. Um, Have you been happy with how it's all been shaking out and has Deathmatch wrestling been everything you've wanted it to be?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, So going into into lockdown, I was already – So I was doing a storyline at one of my other promotions at the end of 2019 where I was fired and I had my wrestling license revoked. (laughs) And I was... Because it was just... I was going to take a break for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And secretly, like, I didn't tell any of my friends this, but I was probably just going to be, like, save it until about April and be like, "Mm, I'm kind of done. Like, because I was not going anywhere. I wasn't really doing anything spectacular. I was, yeah, I was a bit upset about certain things, but uh, it is what it is. So that's when lockdown happened. I was like, well, I have this opportunity with this new thing coming up. I'm going to change up everything. I'm going to actually try and make something of myself. I'm going to start from scratch. And it really has been a revival of of my career and my passion and I'm so excited about every single wrestling show that I get to do now because I feel like I'm actually entertaining people and making a difference and I have like I have people saying like how much they're resonating with my story and stuff and that's the most important thing is that people There's a connection there, which I didn't ever feel in the past six or so years that I'd been wrestling before that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Deathmatch Wrestling has given me uh, an entire new lease on life and it's completely changed my life. Yeah.
0: So so, uh, the lockdown was almost like a blessing in disguise for you in a way, because had that time not happened for self-reflection, you probably would have just continued on the way you were going and probably just ended up walking away from it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I might have come back and finished that storyline off, and then just after that, been like, okay, I, I've had my had my fun, but it's time to move on. But I, yeah, I had my self reflection. I was like, okay, this is the position that I'm in. I can actually work with this, and I can do something with this. And like the the nobody character. Um, I saw what EC3 was doing once he was released, the control your own narrative mm-hmm. thing, and I really resonated with that. Mm-hmm. I was like okay, I, I, I can see what he's going for with this, mm-hmm. and then I, yeah, reflecting on myself and being like I'm not that important um, I, I, I wanted to try and compare it to I guess people that work their jobs and they feel like they're not important at their jobs Like um, if like you're a mechanic or something and you just go to work, you do your job, you leave. You feel like the boss doesn't know who you are or that you're not important. I I wanted to take that thought, Mm -hmm. that mindset and be like, okay, you might think that you're a nobody but that doesn't mean that you can't go out there and you can do amazing things. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to show people is that even when they feel like nobody believes in them, that they can always believe in themselves and get to where they want to go.
0: Yeah. And I, like in your promo with Damo leading up to that thing where uh, I'll paraphrase you, but you basically said uh, it won't be over until this nobody like shows that he's a somebody that's, something that anybody can latch onto, you know, and it's really cool and it's not a nickname that, like, you then need to change or whatever because it's always kind of going to be relevant, you know, because you can be like, because I'm here with all of you sort of thing. And, yeah, I think it was just really well thought out and uh, I think it, it, it's shown in how much positive response you've got, how, how well it's already grasping, you know, people's imaginations.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, there's an actual... Connect with the audience now, because like I was just before this, I was just Callan Butcher. I walked up to shows whether I was a good guy I'd flip you off, if I was a bad guy, if I was good, if I was a bad guy I'd flip you off, if I was a good guy, I wrestle good. <laughs> the other way around,
0: I was like, you're doing it wrong. This is this is why you weren't getting over as a face if you're flipping everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a point where I decided to make. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, the the children's card game. I made that my gimmick. There's a video on online of me doing that. Idea. Oh like I I changed my entrance music so it had the it's time to duel, and I came out and threw on Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So that's gonna be a black mark on my on my name forever. Is that I thought that would be a good idea. Luckily it lasted like three shows and then I was like, "Mm, I'm not doing this anymore. This is dumb. And you're also like, I can't
0: afford all these Yu-Gi-Oh cards. This is getting expensive
1: fast. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was like the extent of my character work before this. But I, yeah, I took how I was feeling, amplified it to 11 Mm -hmm. and then went from there. And then that's more of an actual character that people can connect with. with, And that's important. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's, at that stage, you're not really playing a character. You're kind of just being yourself and how you feel and that honesty and kind of integrity comes through to people. You know, that's where where the disconnect can be with people, like when they're you know trying to be a certain guy or trying to be a certain tough guy or whatever. Like you can see it in people's eyes when it's not real, you know, but when you're sitting there in front of a camera and you're just being honest, that will always resonate with people.
1: Yeah, exactly, and people, they, they want to see the larger-than-life characters, but they also want to see, like, the person be honest, mm-hmm. and that was like, I know that it probably wasn't honest because he called himself the American badass, but I always preferred that version of Undertaker compared to the zombie guy, Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was like, it was a real person that you could be like, okay... This is it's a character, but it's also a real person. I know that I'm probably in the minority and a lot of people like Zombie Undertaker that shoots lightning, but I always resonated more with, yeah, the American badass rides a motorbike to the ring. It's an actual person, not an undead being.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was so smart in how he evolved that character because he still... Kept elements and made like sort of the mythos of the you know the undead Undertaker sort of make sense with the with the American badass thing. Like without he didn't have to say oh that was a bullshit gimmick or whatever. He just sort of evolved. You know he didn't burn any bridges for where he'd been, but then became like the next iteration and stuff. So I really liked it. Plus he was coming out to Limp Bizkit. It was sick.
1: Yeah, he didn't do seven from WCW and Gold Dust went over there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't think we're allowed to talk about that. <laughs> it's. It's one of my favorite promos in wrestling. It's a it's a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. So let's um,
0: let's talk about some old wrestling before we we start talking about where you're headed. So uh, you've mentioned the American Badass, but what was uh, some of the first like? Faces of wrestling that you remember. So who initially jumped out to you and maybe sparked your, like, love of wrestling to
1: begin with? So my dad was always a massive fan of wrestling. Oh, really? He'd always watch WCW. I I was born in April 96, Uh and I'm pretty sure, like, one of my first memories is my dad losing his mind at the Hogan heel turn. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. The bash at the beach, yeah. Like I probably I wasn't even one but mm-hmm. I can still like vividly just like even if it wasn't real I can imagine my dad just losing his mind at it uh-huh. but um yeah I've always had wrestling in my life in one way or another I went to somebody's uh, fifth birthday party when I was also five we had a birthday on the same day but yeah they had a birthday party at a place where they had face painting and I was like I want to be sting and they're like we don't know what that is. <laughs> And then my mum was like, oh, it's like a guy with, like, scorpions and stuff. And then they painted a scorpion on my face, and I just cried the entire week. You're like,
0: this is some bullshit. This isn't Sting at all.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, I was always massive on Sting. And then once WCW started dying down and WWF started picking up, I was about Chris Jericho and Triple H. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I had such a variety but, it, like, Triple H was always, like, one of my big influences. And yeah, I, I liked everything that he did Yeah. until, like, 2014-ish when I started going to high school and it wasn't cool anymore. So I'm like, oh, I'm not allowed to watch this. Yeah. But, yeah. And then after I left school, I found some friends that liked wrestling and then we started watching wrestling again.
0: And then that's where, uh, at, at that point is that when you go, how do we do wrestling?
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, we started going to shows with, like, we had to go for, like, hour drives to the one independent show that we knew in Melbourne, even though there was, like, seven or eight. We only knew of one, because it popped up on Facebook once, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, Drew Galloway was coming down to wrestle Mad Dog. Oh, really? And I was, like, I know him from WWE. Mm -hmm. So we went to that, and then we went to, like, all of their shows until I started, like, Talking to the wrestlers at the merch table, and they're like, "Oh, we wrestle here, 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 and here." And one of them, they they said, "I followed them on Facebook, and it they had posted that they were having a wrestling tryout." So I was like, "Oh my god, this is how we do it!" And we were, we were all messaged them, and we we're all signed up to go. And then the day came, and then I was the only one that was <laughs> conscious enough to go because they all went out partying beforehand, and then. <laughs> Yeah, I went to the tryout, and that's the start of my journey.
0: Mm-hmm. You still do it. Did any of those friends ever end up training?
1: Uh, they came to, like, one training session after I'd been training for, like, th- three or four months. Mm-hmm. I showed them how to bump, and they are like, we don't like this, and then they left, but and then, yeah, we ended up having a falling out, and I don't really talk to any of them anymore. So it's probably for the best that they didn't start wrestling. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so uh, yeah, one
0: less, uh pol- political situation you need to deal with.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. How does your um your dad uh feel about death matches and your current I, trajectory?
1: He thinks it's absolute bullshit. Uh, he hates he it? thinks that. Yeah, he's every time I come home and I've got like cuts all over my face and he's like that's not wrestling. I'm like it is though. Like it's still wrestling. It's still storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's just with things that explode real loud. <laughs> but yeah, my dad was never a hardcore fan yeah. and then I was always most looking forward to the hardcore stuff. Yeah. Like my dad got every single Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. They were the only two pay-per-views we were allowed to get because it was too expensive through Foxtel main event. It's not wrong there. Uh, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got like the Rumble and Mania. And I still remember um, Edge and Mick Foley came on at Mania and I was all about it. And my dad's like, no, nah, I'm leaving the room. I'm not watching this bullshit.
0: Yeah, right. So he was really like anti hardcore stuff. He prefers like the just in ring stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's pretty much it. He he likes the traditional wrestling mm-hmm. aspects, but like I I do it and I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I I fully believe that deathmatch wrestling is one of the greatest arts on this planet. Mm-hmm. And if I'm somewhat good at it, if that's what I seem to excel in, then I'm going to be all in on that. And I'm going to do that as much as I can for as long as I can until my body gives up. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Carve out your own nation, find your own path.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like like I said, before Deathmatch, I was just Wrestler Man and it was eh. But now I'm doing death matches, and people are like, oh my god, look at this guy. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I think also part of that is like my training at Relentless with JXT, Fox, and Jake Navarra. They're the the trainers there. Mm -hmm. Um, They opened up right before COVID hit. Um, But I've been training there and they've absolutely changed everything about me. Like, I went there and realized that I've been bumping wrong for six years, but they actually look at everything that you're doing, and then they'd be like, okay, here's where you do it wrong. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, that kind of looks like it, pass. But yeah. yeah, they, they've been incredible, and they've, yeah, them, along with Deathmatch, the mixture has completely changed everything for me. Yeah.
0: I think uh, when you've got uh, any kind of, like, trainer or teacher in your life that actually um, cares enough to really critique you that's like the only way you can kind of get better like you say if they're close enough's good enough at some other schools or whatever then that that's never going to work and that's also kind of irresponsible with something as physical as wrestling you know so the fact that they took the time and were like yo I know you've been doing this for a while but it'll probably be better if you looked at it this way or whatever that can only help prolong your career man
1: yeah and when you go into a new school, you have to go in with the mindset that they're going to teach you how to do things differently Mm -hmm. and that you can't take that as a negative because if you get told that you're doing something wrong and they're trying to fix it, that's not them shitting on you of the way that you do things. That's them showing their way of doing things because in wrestling, you never stop learning. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. And that's
1: probably a pretty good mindset to have. Uh, And again,
0: a good reflection on you. You're not like, are you kidding? I'm like the guy who had matched the first death of match down under. I know what I'm doing. Like, you know what I mean? You're clearly like, uh, you know, still developing and, and considering it like a journey, which I think it is for everybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, JXT was one of the guys that I spoke to when I was a fan, when he told me that he wrestles at other places. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing this a lot longer than me. Fox has been doing this a lot longer than me. Same with Jake Navarro. So I'm I'm always going to listen to them and hear their advice. And even when I speak to um, people from the States now that have been doing deathmatch wrestling longer than me, like Alex Colon and Jeff Cannonball, I've spoken to both of them in-depth about, like, the Wolves match specifically, mm-hmm. but I always take everything that they're saying and try to ingest it and understand it as best as I can to make myself better and myself more marketable. Mm-hmm.
0: Now that That's, like, the best possible thing you can do, and if those resources are there, why would you shut yourself off to them, you know? Like, it's a, the same thing, like, when I wanted to start podcasting the struggles had said on his show like if anybody ever wants tips or wants to know what to do message me like i'll help you kind of thing and i did that and 50 episodes later or whatever it is now you know i i'm here because i kind of listened to what he had to say and his positivity helped influence me so if you if you've got those people kind of reaching out to you and that that you can rely on and trust that's like an amazing thing that can only help you pick up that pace even faster you know
1: Yeah, and I I think that's something that people forget from time to time is that, like, you're probably not as over as you think you are. You're probably not as good as you think you are. Mm -hmm. Ask questions. Ask how to improve yourself. So you can be better for whoever's paying you to be on your show. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just hit that ceiling.
0: Like, there may be a time when you are the best guy, you know, on that show or whatever, but if you're never trying to – learn or develop you're just going to stay there and then everyone's going to lap you
1: yeah but mm-hmm. it, even then like if you're the best guy on the show you still can watch all the matches and mm-hmm. see the way that people do things and they might do something differently than you but it looks better yeah and you can learn from that even if they're less experienced than you that's the beauty of wrestling is that people have their own way of that they, they that they do things and that you're always learning and you're always ingesting no matter who it's from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, well said, man. So
0: with going forward, as you continue to learn and develop, uh, you have managed to pick up some pretty significant wins over the Agua Total Violence Champion Guido. Uh, So the next step for you on your journey is to get past him and to take that title. How are you feeling about that leading up to uh, the big match?
1: See, I'm I'm mixed. I'm confident because I've gotten the two wins so far mm-hmm. and we have another tag team match the night before on night one mm-hmm. on May 21st. Um, but yeah, I'm mixed because the two wins that I've gotten over Guido have been tag team matches. Mm-hmm. I, I'm confident that I can beat him. I, I know that I can beat him. I've done it before it's just i need to translate that into a singles match and there's also the aspect that the night before we have another tag team death match mm-hmm. if i go out there and go all out but he reins it in a bit then he's going to have more energy in night 2
0: yeah plus there's right. the risk of like he's probably going to him and his crew are going to be going out and looking to hurt you
1: like i mean yeah they they did that last show when i met yeah. them exactly so, but this time nothing against Michael Weaver and Zuzu. Zuzu got power bombed to the floor from the top rope. Um, got murdered. He, couldn't, he couldn't do much about uh, uh, helping me out in that situation. This time, I have two of the most dangerous motherfuckers in this country, in Mad Dog and Vixen, by my side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're two people that I have looked up to for the longest time. Um, Vixen and I tagged at... Sandcastles Mm -hmm. and I think we made a really really good team yeah I think so to add Mad Dog in that mix and Vixen and Mad Dog have tagged a hundred over a hundred times so it's 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 going to be a lot different this time, and I don't think they're going to be able to get their hands on me like they did last time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, you've just, like, come loaded for bear, basically. You're like,
1: cool, well, let me
0: find the two hardest motherfuckers I know and let's see how this actually rolls out this time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this last time it was Lego. This time it's a six and out deathmatch, tag team deathmatch. So we've got a lot of things with handles (laughs) that I can swing at. York, at York's head, at Dame's head, and at Guido's head. Mm-hmm. Keep that distance. I'm going to be swing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. I played a lot of backyard cricket in my time. I was never the best batsman, but I've still got my reps in. I'm going to go down to the go down to the cages, exactly. The, uh, the, the, the nets uh, this week. I'm going to practice my uh, my cut shot and try and pretend that the ball is Guido's head and try and destroy it that's it like a young donald bradman just <laughs> taking
0: on his face that's awesome man um so you you get through you get through that then we're at the next night now tell me about this stipulation because you were showing me some pieces of destruction that you've uh you've managed to uh liberate let me say that and it looks pretty nasty man tell me about that full stipulation
1: yeah, so the San Jose Glass Crush deathmatch. Um, so, again, the death matches that I, myself and Guido, are involved in are the only deathmatches of the entire two-night mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for that, they've given us the pleasure of having panes of glass uh, along with circuit boards and uh, Valencia oranges. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so I know that there's going to be, like, piles of circuit boards. There's going to be circuit boards glued to panes of glass. There's going to be oranges everywhere with that citric acid, which is going to kill. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I I believe we have a number of panes of glass, um, and it's going to be real messy. I'm planning on making a spectacle out of it, given that it's the big death match of the 2 night tournament. I plan on going all out in this and not only becoming the Agua Total Violence champion and taking that off Guido's hands, but I I plan on solidifying myself as one of the best death match wrestlers in this country, which that's been my journey since day 1 is that that's where I want to get to with that title. That solidifies my place and it opens up opportunities for other people that haven't had the opportunities yet. Absolutely.
0: Plus, with the way the world is going now and as things start to reopen up, then nobody goes on tour, right? Like, you you, you head to Agua, you defend it there, you you defend it all around Australia, who knows where you're taking
1: it. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've got a number of people in other countries that are on my... Uh, dream match list mm-hmm. and if the Agua Total Violence Championship is my key to getting those dream matches mm-hmm. then that's even sweeter cherry on the top of the cake.
0: Absolutely when you're dangling this lure so to speak like who wants it those those opportunities become a little bit easier because then people are like oh well maybe I could take that from him and then yeah. next thing you know that match is lined
1: up. Exactly right and that's probably the most important deathmatch title on the west coast of the united states so i'm sure that there would be a few people in the united states that would like to try and take that off my hands once i acquired of guido and they are more than welcome to try i <laughs> i've i've said it before and I've, i'll say it again i want to wrestle everyone and anyone who's a name in deathmatch wrestling because I am out to prove myself and that I might have started watching deathmatch a little bit later than most people, but I'm all in on this. This is everything that my life is now.
0: That's awesome, man. It's really inspiring. Just It took one match for you to uh, see something that really caught caught fire with you and then you've just taken it to the 10th degree and it's really inspiring to see. So with this... Everybody needs to make sure they get down. If you're in Melbourne, go to the juices worth a squeeze. Go to both nights. It's the 21st and the 22nd. Am I right, Callan?
1: Yep, 21st and 22nd. I believe front row is sold out for night two. Uh-huh. There is only a handful of front row for night one, and then general admission is limited. So it's it's going quick, um, but it'll be yeah Friday the 21st and Saturday the 22nd of May Um, it's going to be an absolute insane card, not including my matches the tournament matches are going to be insane and also that absolutely bonkers tag match between uh, the new Deathmatch Down Under Tag Team Champions Misspent Youth and the PWA Tag Team Champions Aussie Open is going to be insane and Murdoch's (laughs) going to (laughs) die luckily for both teams it's non-title so they can go all out with like hesitations on losing their titles yeah go all out and that's going to be absolutely insane that one's on night 2 but the the entire entire card is going to it's going to be an incredible weekend and if you're able to get down victoria maybe adelaide or new south wales seeing how daring you are if you want to if you'd want to risk it it's completely up to you, but these shows aren't going to be shows you want to miss. Yeah, Get down
0: everybody and check that out. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. If that doesn't uh, end up eventuating for you, if it is impossible and you're like me, stuck over here in WA, keep an eye out because it will be out on IWTV and I believe you can use the code DMDU to get five three days. Now Callan, the last game that I play with people on my podcast lately has been like what are you feeling in wrestling at the moment? So it can be a match, it can be a wrestler. Uh what's inspiring you this week? And if anybody asks you what are you watching or what do you recommend, what would you say? Okay, so there
1: is two things. Mm -hmm. You can do two two things. There's no rules. Uh so uh as of recording this yesterday A documentary came out on one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers of all time, Matt Tremont. Um, That's on YouTube. So good. Life life After Death. I cried like twice watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Um, So go out of your way. Watch that. Learn about deathmatch and the art because it's not just Matt. It shows a lot of the guys from like the GCW locker rooms talking about exactly what it means to them and what Matt meant to them when he was wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a part about Danny, Danny Havoc, who I write on my wrist tape every single time that I go out there, because mm-hmm. um, Danny has been an inspiration of mine. So that's, that's a really, really good watch. Mm-hmm. And then... As of today, when this came out, um, I'm not sure if you can find it anywhere, but I believe that there is a Dark Side of the Ring episode on my boy Nick Gage. I watched MDK. it before I got on this call. <laughs> yeah, MDK. Also. You can find it on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I ha- I haven't I haven't been able to watch it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to my partner's after this, and I think we're gonna watch it. But I, uh, I've absolutely love Nick Gage. I had a Taipei Deathmatch recently. I put this story on Twitter earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh in the match, I hit a five knuckle shuffle, but instead of doing the you can't see me with the hand wave, I threw up that MDK sign and yelled out all fucking day as loud, loud as I could. <laughs> and it like it popped like probably like 10 people in the crowd, but it was absolutely worth it. Um it's pretty the good. The story the story of Nick Gage is emotional and it's heartbreaking um but it's also inspiring to see the way that he turned his life around Mm -hmm. so that's going to be really special for everyone and just seeing the way that twitter reacted about it today and everybody posting about how amazing of a person nick gage is Mm -hmm. it's it's really cool and then yeah all gcw stuff is sick i've been watching a lot of gcw
0: Mm. asher i was watching ashes to ashes today as well um, that was really, really cool as well. That um, glass ceilings match with uh, G. Raver and Jimmy Lloyd was insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, even though Jimmy Lloyd stole my look in that one. <laughs>
0: uh, he did. He clearly saw deathmatch down under and went for the all-white, so I was also
1: disappointed to
0: see that. So
1: I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that I've heard rumours that he's had a, had a watch recently, oh. that he might know who I am. Oh. So, Jimmy. Coincidence? Jimmy, I know you're stealing my stealing my look, brother. We're gonna have to sort that out someday soon.
0: Well, you know what they say. Imitation is the most sincere <laughs> form of flattery, Callan. Dude yeah, I'll just come out in the hurt business shirt next next year. But in his gimmick, what are you gonna do now, Jimmy? <laughs> Shots fired from Callum Butcher, and Jimmy Lloyd. Dude, Thank you so much for your time. It was so nice to meet you after all this time. We've been back and forth a, a bit and yeah, it's really cool to see you face to face and, and have a chat. I wish you all the luck in the world and I can't wait to hear that you are uh, named the new Agua Total Violence Champion.
1: Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for having me on and thank you for all the support. That uh, you've given not only me but deathmatch down under as well. I know it was a very ambitious project to start up in Australia with doing death matches, but all the people that have watched, that have bought merch, that have liked on social media or followed it, or followed them. It's um, it means the world to everybody in that locker room, and we really appreciate everybody's support. And all the things that you're saying online, be it positive or negative, everything gets taken on board, and we appreciate every single little bit of it. So thank you to all those people that have supported myself, Deathmatch Down Under, and thank you for also listening to faces and feels it's a very good podcast
0: <laughs> thank you calen that's awesome man and yeah and thank you for all your your hard work deathmatch down under guys so we here in australia we were starved for deathmatch content so it's no wonder that people like myself uh, around the country were immediately drawn to it so everybody keep up the good work and everybody out there keep tuning in to deathmatch down under because it gets better every single time and remember until then it's all about peace love and pro wrestling peace out Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Faces and Feels. Check us out on social media at FacesFeelsCast on Instagram, at FacesFeelsCast on Twitter, or send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. Until then, peace out.